0: You're now locked in to another episode of Unboxing Scripture. Just friends hanging out, reading unfamiliar and familiar scriptures. Unpacking truths that we can apply to our daily routine. A fun look at the word of God. A chance to laugh and learn at the same time. Welcome to Unboxing Scripture. Not your typical unboxing channel.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Unboxing Scripture. This is your host, Brian Lowe, and I've got a guest that I'm excited about today. It is the one and the only, the man with Jesus juice and scripture revelation all the time, Paul Penn. Welcome, Paul. Hi. Now Great to be here. I- I'm excited to have you. Now, I've got to you know kind of start the episode off with a little bit of a personal introduction. Okay. Because... You attend church at New Life Christian Church. We've, I've, I have I want to say I've grown up around you, and we've mm-hmm. been around each other for, man, like 15 years? It's about 16, 16 on 17 yeah, years. 16, yeah, 16, 17 years, which is yeah. amazing. <laughs> and I, I think 10 years ago, I got a peek into discovering that you are a studier of Scripture. Yeah. <laughs> and. Ever since then, I walk up to you now randomly, and I'm like, hey, lay something juicy on me. And you've always got a juicy truth about Scripture and the Word that I enjoy. You're married to Alicia Penn. Yeah. You guys have got three amazing boys. Yep. Austin, who has been on the podcast previously. Yeah. Uh, This is great. Yeah, Yeah, it was. it. It was so good. And actually, his podcast is competing for the number one spot. Like almost every week it it continues to get views and downloads and literally all the way from around the world and stuff. It's, it's really fun to watch that. Yeah, And I think that there's a real good reflection in that podcast of some of the depth that we'll get to in this podcast. So if you're familiar with that, what, you'll see the foundation that i referenced in that podcast definitely in this conversation other mm. than that you've got three amazing boys austin, ethan and landon yeah and landon is actually hanging out in the studio with us today yeah. <laughs> just chilling and listening i may get a mic in front of him another time but today he's just yeah. chilling <laughs> so let's see you're a business owner yeah which yeah. is awesome yeah. i mean you you work in you know the the world market yeah. But yet you have a passion for the gospel, which most people yeah. after meeting you would probably think, oh, this guy must be a minister. And no. <laughs> you you minister just through loving God, loving your family and yeah. doing what God has given you, I think with excellence and doing it well. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> so you also wrote a book yeah, and that's what we're going to kind of get into. This podcast is called Unboxing Scripture because we look at familiar and unfamiliar scripture and kind of unpack the truth of it. Right. You did that naturally through this book. And the book is entitled Unveiling Gethsemane. Yeah. What inspired you to write this book?
2: Well, years ago when I went to Bible College and one of my professors I, I kind of expressed, you know, that Gethsemane is not what everybody thinks it is, thinking that, you know, that there was a conflict of wills between Jesus and the Father and, and that that just simply is not the truth. In and, the garden his, here. In, in Gethsemane trial. So, and he kind of sparked that. Yeah. And so from that point, it was just years of study, seeing, you know, what plays, you know, well, what's just a bunch of folklore. You yeah. Know. Totally. So from that point, it was just something that I felt... I can express, you know, through a book. Sure. And I, it really wasn't a book in the first place. It was so it like was, your
1: personal study. It notes. was just studying. So I was yeah. like,
2: okay, maybe I can, you know, there's a lot of stuff here. So I can just, you know, put it into a, into a book form. And
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, no, yeah. I'm, I'm excited. So, <laughs> and we don't have time to really dig through this whole book. Yeah, I I think I tell material, you so, approaching, yeah. I think I tell you every year since this book has been out, approaching <laughs> Easter Dude, you need to advertise your book right now. <laughs> this, because yeah. it's about this season. It's about yeah. this time. It's literally, we're, we're jumping into, if someone were to pick up this book and read through it, this coming week right. would just be a mind blown. Like you would look at this book and you'd look at your Bible and you'd be a stupid, ah. It would <laughs> blend these two worlds together that I think would just paint such a more beautiful picture of our Lord Savior, of what is happening in this time and in this moment. Right. So I wanted to jump into, because you've got a a few sections called misconceptions. Right. And I wanted to jump into the section of Jesus being in the garden. And the section is titled misconceptions. Number four, Jesus feared the cross. Right. You know, and that's the thing I was like, man, this, I want to jump into that because here we are, we're approaching Easter. We're approaching the crucifixion. We're approaching good Friday. And people may still have this idea that before the crucifixion, Jesus was afraid of the cross. Right. And you end this chapter with, (laughs) I love this quote. I'm going to quote you real quick. The last sentence in the chapter is, fear without any doubt was not a factor at Gethsemane. Jesus simply did not fear. Right. And I want to unpack that. So we're going to be jumping into the book of Mark because you reference Mark a lot through this chapter. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start actually just by reading this book. So this podcast will sound a little bit different if you're a frequent listener. I didn't want to... (laughs) miss highlighting some of the wisdom i've gotten to just glean from you through conversation and visiting at church and and social settings i mean we've been at new year's parties and talked about all kinds of things
0: (laughs) and i mean just but that's
1: that's the beauty of the body of christ is there's so many messages that happen from outside of a pulpit right absolutely that's that's the goal i think of the body of christ is that we're sharing Mm -hmm. with one another in the word in more places than just sitting in a sanctuary. Right. So, okay, I'm going to start by reading from page 69. And it says, A popular theory that's been taught in the church is that fear of the crucifixion and death prompted Christ to pray to the Father to keep Him from the cross. Now, help me get some understanding because I know I've heard that preached. I know I've talked to Christians that have thought man, Jesus must have been really fearful in the garden. And that's why his body, you know, sweated blood. That's why all of this was going right. on. And it was a fear of death that caused him to go to the garden of Gethsemane and have a conversation through prayer with his heavenly father. And you're saying, man, fear is not what prompted this right. conversation.
2: Right. It, it wasn't. I mean, it, if you look a little deeper, you, you got to understand. In, throughout the scripture, throughout the the Gospels, especially John, John mentions I think roughly nine times mm-hmm. that Jesus says, "I'm I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die." You know, before this, I'm going to be handed over to, to men and scourged and killed. You know, and and they just didn't get it. You know, mm-hmm. so the fact and and the fact that he said, you know, don't fear the who can kill the kill the body, but can you know, kill the soul. Yeah, and cast into hell. Yeah. So he, it would be a contradiction to to that. You know, to, to those statements and those things that to have finally, at the moment, right before the crucifixion, that he's in the garden, and all of a sudden, oh, well, everything I've said in the last three and a half years. Yeah. Of my ministry. Sure. I'm going to do something totally against that. Yeah, where I've spoken about
1: having faith in the Father. I don't do anything except what the Father tells me, and then now all of a sudden I'm in a place of fear. Right. And you end this uh, page, you end page 69, kind of bringing everybody to a thought, saying deeper insight into the Word of God shows us something altogether different. His words and actions actually had nothing to do with the coming crucifixion the next day. It was something he was experiencing at that very hour. And then you bring out Mark 14, 35, which says, he went a little further, fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, that hour might pass from him. And then you say, notice that he says the hour might pass from him. From him. It's yeah. not that he's saying, I'm afraid of the crucifixion. You're bringing this right down to the moment that he's to in. the moment. Yeah. yeah.
2: Mark 14, 33 and 34, it says, it began to be troubled and deeply distressed. And he said to them, my soul it is, is exceedingly sorrowful, yeah, even to death. So he's saying this because, I mean, he's dealing with a, a point of death in the garden at this moment. Okay. That's why he's got this, you know, the sweating, the droplets of, of blood, and, and, and dealing with those things, that's that's called hematidrosis, which is where the capillaries in, near the sweat glands burst. Yeah. And start to, you know, come through the pores. Sure. So that's a medical term. And people have that to even today. I mean, it's just something that happens. And it's where a point of extreme distress mm. mentally. Okay. Mental distress.
1: And, and you bring that out. As you're talking about, hey, this is what the word says, even in the Greek. Yeah. On page 70 of this chapter, you're talking about, it says, notice that he says the hour may pass from him. Right. The word from is, help me out here, is that? Apo. Apo, okay. Apo. Apo in the Greek, and Apo communicates the separation of two things that are joined together. Walk me through this.
2: Yeah, at that point, it's something he's dealing with at that moment. So it's the hour of travail. That he was presently experiencing would depart from him or be separated from him is yeah. what he wanted. It's not something that may be coming the next day. Sure, he's wanting to something to stop at that moment, to depart from him, oh. to move away from him.
1: So, what is it that he's wanting to move away from? What is it that he's wanting to depart from him?
2: If you look at fear, fear is like an offspring of sin.
1: It, yeah, God, I mean, 2 Timothy chapter 1, 7. I have not given you a right. spirit of fear. So it's like, okay, yeah. if God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, yeah, Jesus definitely, it's not fear. So, man, what is it then? It's the placement. Okay, let me back
2: up a little bit. This, this goes all the way back to Leviticus. At this moment.
1: Yeah, come on, unpack this.
2: The moment of... Uh, we, we always look at the crucifixion and this the story of the crucifixion and everything, and it's all about Passover. Mm-hmm. And it is. It absolutely is. But it's also about the Day of Atonement and how Christ fulfilled that. Yes. So that's where we're looking at it, and we have to go back to that to, to understand what's going on in the Garden. The Garden of Gethsemane actually is the, the Hebrew words, Gat and Shmanim. Yeah. And that is the pressing of, of oil. Come on. Oil no. press. Yeah. So it's a place of crushing. Yeah. So he's definitely, he's using this as a place to show, you know, what he's going through.
1: Mm. Yeah. He's being he's, crushed. He, yeah. He's in a place of crushing.
2: Right. So while he's being in a place of crushing, what's crushing him? And what? that's where we have to go go back and find out what's going on. Yeah, so all the way back to Leviticus, the Day of Atonement shows this. What's funny is in Leviticus 16, it talks about the Day of Atonement and how the the priest would lay his hands upon the scapegoat, okay, and transfer all the sins of the people onto, onto the scapegoat. Yeah, and that w- would leave. They would take it out into the wilderness, never to return. Yeah, come on. Okay, so and then you had a sacrificial
1: and, uh, goat as yeah. well. Because I'm, I'm just like I'm listening <laughs> to this, and I know other people are listening to this, going, "Wait a second! Didn't all the sins of the world get laid upon Jesus? Absolutely! Didn't he take? Wait, so Jesus is the scapegoat as well?
2: He's the scapegoat. Oh as my well, God! Yeah, as the sacrificial goat. There's two of them. So, so okay, you got the sacrificial goat that's being sacrificed. Yes, you know for the guilt of the people, and then you have the scapegoat that's being led away with the sins. The high priest puts his hands on its head. Mm-hmm. And places all the sins of Israel on it and leads it away. Yeah, Christ fulfills both of these things. He actually fulfills all three characters. He's our high priest. Yeah, he's the sacrificial goat, uh-huh. and he is the scapegoat. Oh man! So the sins of humanity, yeah, is being placed upon Christ in the garden.
1: Oh, because he has wait. to take it. Not to just the cross. at the cross. Right, Come on. So the crushing is already crushing. in this moment. The yeah. sins of humanity are starting to be placed upon him. Yes. So for the first time in his life, he's feeling the weight of sin. Yes. Like I know I know I have felt it. I know people listening yeah. have felt what condemnation yep. feels like. Sin is condemnation. That's why Jesus that's why the Bible says there should be no condemnation, no condemnation. to those yeah. that are in Christ Jesus. Because it's a it's a heaviness that yeah. sets upon your soul and your spirit. Absolutely. That hinders yeah. you from moving forward with what God has for us to do. Right. And exactly. all of a sudden here he is now in the garden. It's not fear <laughs> he's wrestling with. It's the weight it's of the sin, weight
2: of humanity's sin. Yeah. Oh, come on.
1: <laughs> so, uh, so, he, so I know I get excited. So <laughs> I do too. Okay. Do too. All <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> so it's the sin of humanity being placed upon him, and oh, even before the cross. Him. Yeah. Wow. And at that point, that point, he's saying, "My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death." Yeah. He's being crushed. This this sorrow. Yeah. The deep distress. That he's under is what's crushing him. Wow. And that's where the hematidrosis comes in, where he's sweating blood just because of the mental anguish that he's
1: in. Ah, from carrying, yeah. from, from beginning to carry the weight of right. the world, the sin of the world upon him. Yeah. So at that point. Even before the cross. Yeah. Because as this, like, okay, I'm just going to slow this down. Because <laughs> you said it, but it felt like it, it felt like a fast moment. So here he is. He's in the garden the weight of the world, the weight of the sin of the world is beginning to be placed upon him. And the scapegoat is the one that has to carry the sin out. Right. So here he is. This is happening to him before the cross because he has to carry this sin to the cross. To the cross. Right. Come on yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> Does that not put more of an, like, just weight to what he did? No, yeah. It, it wasn't just the... The cross. It wasn't just the moments in the beating. It wasn't all of these, just these times. But he began to feel the the heaviness of sin. Someone who had lived his entire life without sin, right? Now he's feeling that in the garden. No wonder there is a physical response from his body in this moment. Because I mean, shoot, when I go through moments of condemnation or I go through moments of feeling like sin is something that I'm wrestling Mm -hmm. with before I bring it to God and I repent and I get freedom from it, dude, I know sin. It it paralyzes people. It causes them to want to sleep all day, not get up. That's right. I mean, it it literally will shut people down at times.
2: Mental anguish.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You're bringing it back to mental anguish because you've got on page 71, you again, highlight the Greek where it says, you know, talking about from Mark 14, 33 through 34, these two words here come together to make one impression that trouble and deep distress, trouble in the Greek is what? Ekthembeo. Ekthembeo. Yeah, it's
2: translated as amazed. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and a lot of times they would use the, the word sore, amazed, which means extremely or severely. Yeah. But it, it, a better understanding of, of this is, is the, the root word, which is
1: thombos. Thombos. Thombos, yeah. And that's what's happening here.
2: Uh, right, and what this is, and I'll just read it, thombos expresses the idea of being stupefied or stunned as if as if by a sudden blow or blunt force. Oh man. So this is how that plays out. The thumbballs, the blunt force trauma yeah. of Gethsemane and the sins of the world being placed upon him is like a blow to the head. Mm. It's like something that's just, just hit him. Oh yeah. He just like fit, a ton of bricks. Yeah, you know? he so, feels the weight of sin yeah, now. Yeah. Oh my goodness. For sure. So from that point, he's he's moving forward with, not you know, take this cup from me.
1: Yeah what's what does that mean then? You know because cup, I I know people have heard this story saying, you know it's got to be tied to fear. It's got to be that fear is driving him to say, take this cup from me, Lord. Right. It's like well, wait well the a cup
2: second. the cup you get to understand what the cup is and that's the cup of wrath. Mm. The, and and it's and it's expressed in in the the seder meal. It has the four cups, and the, the second cup is the cup of wrath, mm-hmm. and that's where the plagues of of Egypt are being poured out. Yeah, while Jesus is taking that, and it, it explains you know a lot deeper in, in the in the book. But that's that's what he's drinking in the dregs, even even to the to the point of the dregs of the uh, wine. Okay. Okay, and that's the bitterness then, the, the impure parts of, yeah. of the wine. So he's drinking in the wrath Yeah, at that point. Mm. So the cup that he's drinking, the cup of wrath, he's saying, God, Father, I'm about to die in this garden right now. I know that I'm going to the cross, and I'm supposed to be handed over to, to the men, the Gentiles, be beaten, crucified, and then I'll rise again. Mm -hmm. is that I'm dying right now in this garden. Oh, he feels it. Yeah. That he's dying right now. He knows it. I mean, he said it. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to the point of death. Oh, man. So he's saying, God, if you don't do something about it, I'm going to die right here in Uh, this garden. Yeah. Please take this cup from me. But... If I have to drink in the whole thing, let me do it. but do something to keep me from death so I can go to the cross.
1: Whoa. So now this prayer. Oh, come on. So yeah. now this prayer in the garden is him requesting strength. Yeah. To Which carry is exactly sin. what happened. Yeah. Not my will, but your will be done.
2: And what happens is an angel shows up to strengthen him.
1: Oh my goodness! Most
2: people die from hematidrosis. Well an, an extreme hematidrosis where the capillaries are bursting, and yeah, you know, it, it is a, it's a medical issue, and people can have yeah, cause it. Then, yeah, you're right. Yeah, and a lot of times people just die from it.
1: So in this moment where he's praying, it's like, Lord, I I physically will die from the weight of this sin that is coming upon me. Right. I need you to take this cup from me, you know, because I... You either I, take it from me or give me strength to bear it. Yeah. Not my... Yeah. And that's where it's not and, my will, but your yeah. will be done. So he's...
2: So the father is basically and he's saying, you have to drink in this whole thing. Oh, my goodness. You have to. But I'll strengthen you so you can carry it
1: to the cross. Oh, my goodness. Yeah.
2: Different perspective. I mean, yeah.
1: Then, then seeing Jesus in the garden, as a pleading for year thirty four. Yeah. Pleading for year. Th- I, Lord, <laughs> I've I've lived thirty three years here on this earth. I want right. another. It's it's yeah. not. I want another. It's Lord, give me the strength to do what it and is that prayer. I'm called to do. Yeah. Wow. This isn't yeah. a prayer motivated by fear of death. Right. This is a prayer now motivated by love.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this. Let, help me to carry out the plan. Ah, you know, basically get me to the cross.
1: Wow. And then he's on the cross, and what's he say? It's finished. It's finished. I mean, come on. Hit that's done. from the garden moment <laughs> to the time on the cross. Yeah. Lord, I want to finish this. Wow. Yeah. Going in to take a beating, going in to face Pilate, going in for a, a mockery trial. Yeah, absolutely. Lord, I need the strength to do this. To
2: do this, yeah.
1: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Come on now. This is rich. Okay, we see Jesus walk into the temple. So one of the things I love about the word, and I think that like inspired this podcast, is sometimes when you can slow Scripture down, God unlocks and highlights truths that are just so powerful. Like we see Jesus walk into the temple. You slowed down for me. I saw this for the first time reading through your book. Was you slowed down the fact that he sat and made the whip. Now, whether it was a makeshift whip or it was a well-crafted whip, he sat down and began to think about a tool he could make.
2: He took time. Yes. He contemplated. It he wasn't like he walked. Yeah.
1: yeah. Cause I don't know about you, but how many of us have heard the story or read it through scripture and we see Jesus walk into the temple. We see him watch the money changers. We see him look at the temple. We see him look up at heaven. We see him look at his disciples. And then there's this moment where it's like he grabs a whip off a wall or something. Right. And he's like, ah, he just goes yeah. after these guys.
2: Yeah. Out of rage. and, and Yes. Just, Uncontrolled rage, you know, but it was totally controlled.
1: Yeah. And without, because losing my temper, honestly, that invites in sin. (laughs) I mean, if I'm losing, if I'm losing my temper, I have stepped out of operating Mm -hmm. by the spirit and I'm now operating by the flesh. Jesus never does that.
2: No, he couldn't. It was just impossible for him. He's God. Ah. So as God, he does everything the right way yeah his anger is righteous anger and it's totally well, I, I okay th- so it's impossible mm. so his the when he, he when he's in the temple and he's doing this he's not doing it out of out of just uncontrolled rage yeah he's doing it because he has zeal for his house like the bible says
1: yeah my yeah my house shall be called a house of prayer not a identity yeah. Th- yeah and he's just passion it's yeah,
2: a passion for his house and he sees these things and he says i'm i'm getting rid of them i'm i'm yeah. excommunicating all of them
1: yeah from the temple so, ah so. which is i mean it's so unique just even that moment the fact that he takes the time to sit down mm-hmm. to craft a tool to get a job done yeah so that he can reset the house right so that he can get the house set right like ah <laughs> okay, Unveiling Gethsemane by Paul Pen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you're in Warsaw, Indiana, you can pick it up at New Life Christian Church and World Outreach. If you are anywhere else, it is on Amazon. Yeah, and Barnes and Noble. Yeah, Amazon, Barnes. Yeah, yeah. You, so you can find it online, and it's a good read. I would encourage you to buy it to check it out and go deeper during this season, where so many times we just get stuck on, you know, Palm Sunday. And right. the celebration. Yeah. We get stuck on Good Friday and, oh, the betrayal, the handing over of the Savior. That's honestly, a lot of the times what we look at on Good Friday is just, oh, this is the moment where now everything begins. Dude, it was beginning before he got handed over. Right. I Absolutely. mean, in the garden, here he is taking on the weight of the world. Right. So he could be the, the scapegoat that's carrying it to the cross. Here he is on the cross, the sacrificial lamb. Right. Paying the ultimate price, but here he is also as the high priest. Yeah, I mean, just officiating the whole thing. Right. Ah, oh, it's so amazing. <laughs> thank you so much for hanging out with me. Yeah,
2: thank you. I loved it. That was awesome.
1: Yeah, it was. This is good. Well, hey, okay. So I ask everybody. You know, we're shifting towards the end here. I ask everybody uh, a question, which is, if you were to, to create your own dodgeball team, who <laughs> would you have on your dodgeball team? And uh, man, I'm I'm not sure. Usually I give, like, a stipulation, like, you need to create it from, like, a band or music or something along those lines. But I think you almost have created your own dodgeball team. Like, (laughs) you've got Landon and Ethan and Austin, and you've got Alicia in there. Yeah, Yeah, that's pretty much your dodgeball Uh, team. she would be my first pick. Would she? Yeah, yeah. out of all the boys, she's the first pick.
2: She's, yeah, she's amazing. She's the best.
1: That's awesome.
2: I mean, I'd be... Nothing without her.
1: So if you were to create your own dodgeball team, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw down some, some the Bible. I've done this a couple times with a okay. few other people, but out of the Bible, who would you pick? Because I've got Austin's biblical character reference <laughs> for his dodgeball team. And I want to see if the Paul Penn dodgeball team can defeat the Austin Penn dodgeball team.
2: Oh man. And
1: after we get the characters, I'm going to take this episode, recap his team. Have your team and then ask listeners to comment on whose team they think would win. Okay. So, all right. So pick wisely. Here we go. Okay. Who's, um, who's on your team, Paul? Peter. Peter. He'd be my first. He'd be your first pick.
2: He's, he's not afraid to take risks. Yeah. He's He'd ready. he will say whatever he wants and he gets rebuked and all that. Yeah. He'll just, he'll just do whatever. He'll go for it. Watch your ears. Yeah. Peter's out here. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. Uh, at Paul, especially, you know, he's. Okay. So He he just knows that he has the wisdom. To so
1: far, we've got a team with three Ps on it. We've got yeah. Peter, Paul, Penn, <laughs> and Paul.
2: <laughs> oh, man. Uh, who else would it be? Oh, man. It's Samuel.
1: Samuel? Yeah. All right. Why Samuel?
2: He's he's just a prophet that is very confrontational. There we go. I mean, he cut the head off of uh, <laughs> Agag in front of... <laughs>
1: okay all right
2: so i mean that's just there we go that's fantastic story so yeah why yeah absolutely i
1: love seeing a guy get his head cut off by a prophet
2: right and and then then i would say probably moses moses yeah he would be a good leader
1: yeah all right so there's the team all right so hey thanks for doing this podcast episode with me and you thank thank you. you for how old is your book right now How long ago? Uh, It was
2: 2018 when it came out.
1: When it was published? Yeah. Okay, but you had actually had the manuscript for a while, even before that, correct?
2: Yeah, I'd finished it right at the end of January of 2018. Wow. And I entered it in shortly after that, yeah.
1: That's awesome.
2: Yeah, and it was was Nick
1: who did it. Yeah. Yeah, Tall Pine Books. Tall Pine Books. Who will be a future sponsor of the show. And, right on. And <laughs> I don't even know if he'll ever hear yeah. that but just just drop some yeah. hints there. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, thanks for doing this episode with me. If you're listening to this, again, I just want to encourage you to take this time and go deeper in scripture. Find something that complements the word of God to have alongside you in your life to read and really start to unbox the word and the truth of the word for your life because it it shores up your foundation, doesn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Amen. All right. I'm going to ask a question that is just off the cuff, unplanned, undiscussed beforehand. And I was ending and here all of a sudden now we're not. Okay. As a dad that has raised three godly young men married to a woman of God, what advice do you have for all the other fathers to, you haven't, you haven't lived with perfection but you've lived in a pursuit of Christ. Right. And that is evident in every one of your sons as well as in your marriage relationship. So, yeah. Hey, give me some advice as a young man who's married and to everyone else that is listening. How do we emulate and how do we duplicate that?
2: Clean to the cross. Okay. And his, his sacrifice and everything. So we got to understand that we are not perfect except for the Christ, the, the blood of Christ. Who, who gives us his, his righteousness? Yeah, and we don't do it on our own. We don't have any righteousness that's worth any anything. So, and, and from that perspective, always know that we're we're not perfect, and we can move on. And you know, always forgive. Mm. Always forgive.
1: Always forgive. Yeah. Cling to the cross. Cling to the cross. Always forgive. <laughs> always forgive. I love it. Hey, again, I know I've said it already, but. Hey, everyone. I want to say thanks for listening to Unboxing Scripture. And this episode, me and Paul got to talking, and we referenced from episode five when Austin Penn was on the show. And we are taking his dodgeball team of biblical characters and matching them up against Paul Penn's dodgeball team. And I want to hear from you guys. What dodgeball team would you rather be on, Paul's or Austin's? Leave a comment. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode. Uh. Four players, because okay, you make well, the fifth man.
0: I think the most obvious one would be the Apostle Paul. Oh, okay. Ah, He'd,
1: he'd be a violent player, for sure. Yeah. Okay, aggressive, I think.
0: Yeah. Uh, Joseph. Joseph? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, he, Why Joseph? He went through so much. <laughs> so much. And he still and was so okay. faithful. And yeah. he was willing to, like, help Pharaoh. Oh, there you after go. After he had... Been in prison for two years yeah. because of the other Pharaoh. Okay. All right. Yeah.
1: So we got Joseph.
0: Who's the, I think it's the second judge in Judges. He's the guy that cut up, cut the, the belly of the king. You oh. Know what am talking about? Uh, the second judge? Yeah. I think he's the second. Yeah. He's the second judge. Well,
1: okay. Come on. Come on. Give me his name Ehud. Ehud. Yeah. You nailed it. That's it. Ehud. That's yeah. okay. So Ehud would be the second guy you would want
0: on your team. Yes.
1: Okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, All right,
0: because E, Mister E, yeah, Mister E, not not to be confused with Mister T. No, I wouldn't judge E. Too. Yeah, Judge E. Okay, um, because he was so willing to do, to go as far as did to do what god asked of him. Uh,
1: I got just no, one more. I, I, you need I one mean, more. Come on. Yeah. Anybody? Let's uh, go. Haggai. Haggai. Yeah. Why Hagai?
0: Uh, because of his life being a representation of God's love for Israel.
1: Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. So, all right. That's, that's a pretty, it's a pretty unique team. Unboxing
0: scripture, not your typical unboxing channel.